Hi, my name's Kramer, and I am proud to admit that I am a mama's boy. You're not just any mama's boy. You're a certified mama's boy. And this is the Certified Mama's Boy Podcast. You ever look back at your young 20s and say, like, I can't believe I did that? Unfortunately, mine followed me because I have documentation of all of my radio shows from the past 10 years. And I mean, I'm embarrassed of a lot of the segments, but the one that I did this week back in 2010 Ah, like how cringy one to 10 you decide here in a couple of minutes on the certified mama's boy podcast my mom's words i think can change your life they did for me and we start every show talking to her hi mom hi honey okay you want to find out the time that you traumatized me and i can't believe this doesn't pop in your mind because it was so traumatizing for me as a kid what yeah uh, i told my mom yesterday we were talking about the uh, ask my mom segment where this woman at wrote in saying that she'd been doing her third graders homework for her during this Corona craziness. And she was wondering if she was a bad mom. And I asked my mom if she ever felt like a bad mom. And you said, yes. And I didn't ask you like the one time that I felt like you were a bad mom. And I can't believe you can't even like name this moment. This was so like, to me, I, there's gotta be some damage in my life done because of this moment. Something that I still, I'm sure I'm holding onto <laughs> through oh. some other aspect. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm okay, are you sorry. Ready? I, I don't know. Am I? Probably well, not, but roll it. It was the one time that you dropped me off for some kind of <gasps> drama lesson. <laughs> oh my God. I still think yes. about this all the time. So I was going to, I was in this little Christian acting group when I was a kid. And I, I guess the, I don't know if the places changed, like we changed locations or what, but for some reason it was at a high school, wasn't it? Or some kind of type yes. of school. Yes. And I've never been there before. Right. So my mom takes me and she drops me off and I walk up to the door to go inside and nobody, uh, the doors are locked and I'm like, okay, well that's, that's no big deal. I can just bang. I'm sure they're inside waiting for me. No big deal. So I bang and I bang and I bang and nobody comes and I'm, my mom is now driven off. And I, I look around and I'm now stuck because it's supposed to be an all day thing and I'm stuck outside of this school. And, and how this old is are you? How old was I? Maybe 10 ish? Maybe, yeah, 10. Yeah, probably Around 10. 10. Yeah. I think you had the wrong day and it wasn't an actual rehearsal day. So now imagine like you're stuck outside this building where you don't know really where you are and there is no, there's no cell phones or anything and there's no one around. So. What am I supposed to do? I and I all I remember is eventually a custodian came <laughs> and opened the door and was let let me come inside and I was like bawling and I was able to use the phone to call you and I remember that all I can remember is like I sat there and I ate my Arby's because I was <laughs> I, I I can remember the exact lunch Arby's lunch and I would like sit there like like just and just sobbing <laughs> eating my Arby's until my mom came back and. And pick me up. Do you remember that? Oh, I do. Honey, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes. Bad mom. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, that was terrible. So you couldn't. So who did you call when you got got in touch I, with the custodian? Like, who'd you call? I, we didn't have cell phones. I think I must have called the house, right? Like that's all I can think of is I that must have. That would have been I don't, the only place you could have called. Yeah. So I don't know if you're already home or if 
somebody like I, I don't know. I, I don't remember that that process at all. Um, do you <laughs> remember coming I, back to get me? I do, and I don't think I went home because I think this place was a long way from our house. Lord, and I went. Well, how do we get connected again? Did I, I just have to like, sit in there and wait? I think you did, and I came back at an hour later. <laughs> To pick you up and then it wasn't were. an hour. It was a long day. I remember it was like a long day of sitting there, but you know, kid time. It could have been five minutes, could have been five days. I don't really know the difference. Anyway, that's the only time that I can remember being like, this is this is oh. unacceptable parenting right here. <laughs> <laughs> Fear of abandonment. Yeah, and I never oh learned to trust again gosh, after that. All my honey. trust issues come from that one day with my RB sandwich. Honey, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> can you remember any other times though that you felt like a bad mom and this could be a good time for you to mm-hmm. maybe call into if you felt like a bad mom if you're like mm-hmm. man i really effed up uh 888 kramer 8 888 kramer 8 and we can put these on a future podcast um is my mom the only quote-unquote bad mom that's uh that's <laughs> listening right now right because the first thing my mom asked me off the air, she's like, well, what is it? Don't tell me. I don't want, I want to know before. I don't want to be embarrassed. And then you thought it was when you washed my mouth out with soap. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was pretty nasty. But I was talking to Maggie about that today. Your si- of course, your sister, Maggie. And she said, well, obviously it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should have done it a little bit harder, I guess. I don't know. You know? Oh, I don't know. I think it, you know, I think as parents, parenting is so challenging. I mean, we all want to do our best every day, but we just mess up because we're just passing on what we know. You know, (laughs) we're just passing on what we know. I mean, my God, if I knew, if I were parenting now and knew what I know now versus what I knew then, Oh right. my goodness, I would be a totally different parent. I would be well, an awesome mom. <laughs> well, like what would you do differently then? I mean, you already said you'd feed us better, but like what else oh, would you do differently that you feel would, like you didn't do a good job at? Well, I would teach you how to be self-sufficient. Yeah. We talked and what about else? that, about how to do chores and to be more responsible. I would have taught you to have better boundaries. I would have taught you to, I would have talked more about sex. Like we never talked about sex. (laughs) Why why would we talk about sex? Like we never had the talk. I know. Right? What would you, what would you, why would you want to talk about it? I think, I think, well, because how do you learn? I mean, I guess I was like most parents of that time when we assumed that you were learning that in school, but you weren't learning that in school. I mean, we pretty much were. I remember when I was in school in sex ed, I asked the, the question that traumatizes me the most thing I've ever asked my whole entire life because everyone <laughs> thought it was so funny. But I remember asking, I was like, um, do, so when you, when you have sex um, and, and like you, uh, you know, like the, the, you, the girl gets pregnant, do you have to like keep fertilizing the egg? Because it sounded like it was <laughs> fertilizer, you know? <laughs> Like you fertilize plants, so I didn't know if you had to like keep it growing. No, see what I mean? Oh my god, yeah, I should see? have taught you all about anatomy yeah. and about sex. Oh my god, I should have taught you that. And I remember one of my friends when her daughter was 
16, 17, I guess. And she was going to have sex with her boyfriend. And my, and my friend said, and I'm going to help her. And I said, like, what do you mean? What are you going to, what do you mean help her? Well, I'm going to talk to her about how you do that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, we never fun. we never had that discussion, but it's all right. No, it's no. Fine. I, mean, I made I made it through. I'll figure it out. I had to figure yeah. it out too. My parents never had the talk with me either. Maybe maybe that's why Brian's gay because you never had the talk with him. He's <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah, I kind of doubt that. <laughs> well, that would be really that. awkward. Like, imagine if you had to talk to Brian about that. So my brother's gay, and imagine like. If I, I were telling imagine. him how to have sex with a girl, yeah, yeah, that would have been that'd be mortifying very, for that him. Would have you know, been, yeah, that would have been even worse for him to well, hear. What would you have said if you had to have that talk with me? How? What would you have said? And when? Like when would you have had that talk with me? Hmm. Maybe. Well, maybe by the time you went to middle school, because that's when kids start having sex, right? Ages fourteen, fifteen. 13, yeah. 14, 15. Yeah. 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 I was 15 and it yeah. was in your basement. I know. <laughs> Sorry. I know. Hey, it could have been a lot worse places. But the good thing for you is that I've always had terrible anxiety when it comes to sex. So I, I don't <laughs> know that I can be any safer. So you're, okay. <laughs> so you, even without your, your teaching, I somehow have, have figured it out. Have protected yourself. Yeah, yeah, okay. one way or another. Well, I'm proud of that. Yeah. But what would you have said though? Seriously, like, what what do you think that you would have if you had to talk to me at at, at middle school at fourth at fifth grade, sixth grade? What would you have said? I think <laughs> I would have talked to you about anatomy and how babies are born and how it's a beautiful thing when you're mature and you love someone else and you have your life in order. Oh shit! And, and when you're if that's married, the case, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to have sex again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta wait know. till I got my hey, life together. Honestly, it's probably better than if we didn't have the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's all it's fine. <laughs> but maybe maybe you would have had a grandbaby by then if if we did. You know, mm, I guess my ex wife didn't have that conversation either. No, oh, well. So I mean, but I hope parents have that conversation now. I'd like to hear from your listeners. Do you all have that conversation now? Oh, look and at like, you. You're being such yeah. a host. <laughs> Go <laughs> ahead. Throw out the phone number. And, and, and what does it sound like? I mean, 888-Kramer8. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> it would be, Let's yeah, seriously. It, you I don't could have, have to, done better. You don't have to give your your name if you don't want to, but if you will just call and tell us like your situation, like have you had the talk with your kids and how did it go? Like, was or, it productive? Was it not or productive? Or did your parents have the talk with you? Yeah. And how was that helpful or not? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think good. that's I think that's interesting conversation. 888-Kramer8, K-R-A-M-E-R, call, and we'll have another discussion later on this week when we get some calls mm-hmm. coming in about that. Um, so I, again, I'm really struggling with this podcast because I always want to be authentic. Uh, but in being so, because like reading back over the surveys, it's like, you're negative, you're always negative. Meh, 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 meh. So I... 
don't know where the balance is because I, by the last the last thing I want is for this podcast to be like a downer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I want it to be motivating and for you to feel good. But one thing that I swore to myself was that I was going to make this thing authentic as possible. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to do, I don't want to have to fake it. Uh, I faked it for a long time on the radio and I don't want to have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to do that right now either. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm having a shitty day. Like I'm having an, an, another shitty day. There was a, a job opportunity that, so let me just kind of take you over my last couple of months is that there have been opportunities that have popped up in the radio world that have, uh, have been great opportunities, um, uh, that have been put on hold though. I say all the ones that I've been the most excited about were put on hold. Then there were other jobs that that came up and I was told that I was like the perfect candidate and I was great. And to me, like weren't, weren't the ideal opportunities, but I was still excited about them. And we've kind of talked over the last couple couple of podcasts and you know, that they just didn't work out. There was one though that I found out today I didn't get and it felt really good. It felt like uh, I'd be a really good candidate for this job. And I felt like I really sold myself well and I had some good references going into it. And I felt like, okay, all right, maybe all these other things that I really wanted that didn't work out all were leading up to this one. I like told myself that. And I sat back and I prayed really hard and I did all my manifestation stuff. Like I visualized me having that job. I convinced myself I already had the job. You know, I was looking at, uh, at houses in the cities because I'm like, okay, like I'm just going to go ahead and like put all of my energy into that so that I can make it like manifest that it's going to come true, right? And mm-hmm. then I prayed and I prayed a lot, you know, like, mm-hmm. the, like give me this job. Like I know this is the one that I've been waiting for mm-hmm. and this must be why the other ones haven't worked out right. Mm-hmm. And then I find out today, and, and I will fi- I will say I found out in a respectable way. It was through an email from yes. the guy I was interviewing with, and it was very, very nice and very uh, eloquently st- stated, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, before I said, I always just find out because, like, the radio newsletters come out, and they're like, hey, this person got the job. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one is – this one uh, just stings bad um, mm-hmm. because I did feel like – everything kind of lined up perfectly for this opportunity. Mm -hmm. So like I, what happens when I go through these things is I just go into like a two day funk and I allow myself to go into a funk for two days. But then after those two days, I tell myself like, I got to get back up and keep going. Cause I know if I don't grieve over it, then I'm just going to be frustrated about it for a long time. But if I literally just give myself two days, then I can just say, all right, here we go. Let me go into my grieving mode for 48 hours and then I can, you know, hop back up and, you know, get back on the horse because this is something that I really do want to pursue. Mm-hmm. I'm going through, I mean, I don't want to do every fourth podcast about <laughs> like rejection and how to, how to cope with it. But I also just want to be honest with you that I'm, I'm a little funky today. It's fine to mention it. It's fine. And it's, okay, it's also okay that it didn't happen. It's not the right time. It's not the right place. It's just not right. Even though you did everything. I know. And it's hard. Are you, are you reading the alchemist or have you, have you started yet? No, I don't have it yet. I just ordered it yesterday. So, uh, we talked about the alchemist on the last podcast, which was uh, this book that I'm reading right now. And a lot of people have read it when I posted, a lot of you guys have read it. Um, but it's basically about the a, a guy, this little this boy on his journey and like his purpose. And um, I there is I'm I'm a little bit into part two now, and I put this quote on my Instagram today because I thought I thought it was really interesting um, because 
I'm trying not to, I'm trying to think, like figure out how to even like get to this part of the book where I can explain it. Um, but the book kind of explains that when you are trying to, for you, like your dream to come true, that you are given beginner's luck and you're given beginner's luck because you need to get a taste of like your dream. That like it's exactly like what you want and how you want it to be. But then it kind of goes through all kinds of turmoil from there. So I'm going to read this. This is from page five. Uh, it says, what you still need to know is this. Before a dream is realized, the soul of the world tests everything that was learned along the way. It is not because it is evil. It is so that we can, in addition to realizing our dreams, master the lessons we've learned as we move toward that dream. That's the point at which, as we say in the language of the desert, one dies of thirst just when the palm trees have appeared in the horizon. Every search begins with beginner's luck, and every search ends with the victors being uh, severely tested. And I feel like that's kind of what my radio mm. career has been like, mm. which is I have – I I don't want to say beginner's luck, but I really killed it at the very beginning of my career. I came out of the gate swinging, right? Like mm-hmm. I was this tiny little morning show in this tiny little city and I was getting scouted by all these major, we had four major city offers to go to and mm-hmm. that we got to pick and but we basically were like, ha ha ha, we'll tell you where we're going to go. <laughs> and it was like no problem, right? Mm-hmm. And ever since then, it's been kind of turmoil. I mean, in one way or another, I mean, there's, there's been perks, like a four year run in San Diego. It's great. Yeah. I'm happy for it. I'm proud of it. Right. Um, but it's just been chaotic. It's been so chaotic. So I'm at a point now where I'm like, am I following the right path? If all the doors seem to be closing, am I just wasting my time going down the wrong path? Like this podcast, I was telling my mom before we came on, like, I love it but it just doesn't feel like the path. I was hoping that maybe I would start this thing and it would be like, aha, like uh, the aha moment of like, oh shit. Okay. Like this is this, now this is where I'm supposed to be, but I don't have that same drive or the same, like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it just doesn't feel like the complete path. I love it. I don't, I don't want to say I want to stop doing it, but it doesn't, it doesn't like deter me from being like this. There feels like there's more, there's something else. You know, our desert times are the times that we learn most about ourselves. You know, I think you have to trust that you're right where you're supposed to be. And that is so hard and so challenging. But now at age 67, I can look back on my life and see that I was in the exact right place at the exact right time to fulfill my dreams. And more often than not, they were not what I had planned or what I had expected. You know, when I was an interior designer and I agreed to... um, be the director of Rainbow House, I was like, that was a totally different shift for me. I was like, what am I doing? This is crazy. But I knew I needed to try it. I knew I needed to do it. And it ended up being the greatest blessing for me. Maybe this is where the world needs you most. Um, Let me think about that quote, wonderful quote from... um, 
Fred Frederick Bigner about vocation. It's it's that our vocation is what the world needs most for us to do. I'm I may not have that exactly right, but our vocation, our calling is the calling of what the world needs most for us to do. And maybe this is it for you. Maybe this is what you need to do right now because there is someone that needs to hear your voice, that needs to be connected in this way, that could be life-giving, life-changing, life-saving. And so I think you just have to be present to where you are and just know and trust that you will be where you are meant to be. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I'm like pulling out all the stops. Okay. Got all my healing crystals, got my prayers, got my gratitude journal, got my regular <laughs> journal, got my my mala beads for meditation, got my powders, got my potions, got my essential oils. Got, got, I mean, I am loaded up with it all. I'm doing the most. <laughs> Well, surely Lord. one of those things is going to serve you, my love. I fucking hope so. Jeez. <laughs> <sighs> they right. will. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's hump day. Another day over the humps of life. That's right. Right. So That's let's right. just let's just move over the bumps, and soon they'll be smooth sailing. That's right. All right. I love you. Love you forever. So I just want to have like a moment of honesty just with with you and I is that I have been given the gift over the past 10 or so years of having an audience. And I don't take that lightly. I use it to entertain. I use it to do good things. I use it to hopefully motivate. And I guess when I started this podcast, I really started it in the sense that you could see a guy who is down and out, like literally life has just beat the shit out of him and can still rise to do great things. And if I could just do that, if I could come back and have this great success story, I feel like it's all, it's all fine. Like it's all fine that I would, I would do this. Um, I'm almost, I guess a little concerned that that point's not going to come. You know, I always wanted to be the big proponent in marriage and like working through things and things are hard at times. And you know, that obviously didn't work out for me. I, I feel like when I was on channel nine, three, three, the day I was let go, I was almost at my peak of my game. I mean, ratings were great. The team was great. Everything was great. I, it, uh, <laughs> I used to have this really great success story of like following your dreams. And when I got let go in 2011, uh, 2012 from the radio station that was supposed to be my big break, I worked for over a year and a half, well, a little over a year, like busting my ass to get back onto the radio. And I would always tell that story of like how hard it was. I was rejected by hell. I can't even tell you 10 radio stations. And probably more than that, maybe 15. I probably reached out to 50 and just kept hearing no, flying out and hearing no. And 
I really was at the point where I was about to just give up. I remember I told uh, one, uh, a friend of mine, I call her a friend. She was a radio coach, but I really value her more as a friend than anything else now. I told her, like, if Phoenix doesn't work out, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I can't get rejected anymore. And I, when Phoenix worked out, I went there and, you know, it wasn't my hugest success, but we, we did an okay show. And then I came to San Diego and I really feel like I proved myself. I really felt like I busted my ass. And I had this success story of like, look, when life knocks you down, you can rise back up and you follow your dreams and you're going to be able to be successful at what you want to be successful at. And now here I am. And that's my biggest fear. Well, there's a lot of fears, but I need you to know that a really big fear is that this story is not going to have the ending that I wanted to have. It's not going to have this, look at me, I, even though I got knocked down and, you know, really beat up. I kept going out on all these auditions and I kept making the phone calls. And I, now here I am doing this, this great thing. Um, I want nothing more than to be able to motivate you in that way. I want nothing more than to be your success story that when you feel down and out that you can get back up and try again. I want to be able to share that, share that story. And maybe my journey is this podcast becomes like a big thing. <sighs> I really want to be able to tell you that story of being knocked down and be able to get back up. And I'm going to go through my 48 hours. I'm going to like be frustrated and mad and confused and question everything. Am I doing the right thing? Am I putting my energy into the right areas of my life? Or am I just spinning my wheels? Is there something else out there for me? And I can't wait to like come on and share that story with you. I want you to like remember today. This is going to release on the 29th of uh, April. I want you to come back and remind me of this day of when I felt down and out. Like I don't know what in the world the universe is doing to me. And remind me it all had to line up this way. We are pleased to welcome one of the most successful authors of our time. Her books have set sales records and have won many awards, probably because the Harry Potter stories provide a familiar backdrop for readers who can empathize with the young protagonist adrift in a sometimes cruel and challenging world. And now I give you Ms. J.K. Rowling. I have decided to talk to you about the benefits of failure. I had failed on an epic scale. An exceptionally short-lived marriage had imploded, and I was jobless, a lone parent, and as poor as it is possible to be in modern Britain without being homeless. And by every usual standard, I was the biggest failure I knew. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that failure is fun. That period of my life was a dark one, and I had no idea that there was going to be what the press has since represented as a kind of fairy tale resolution. I had no idea then how far the tunnel extended, and for a long time, any light at the end of it was a hope rather than a reality. So why do I talk about the benefits of failure? Simply because failure meant a stripping away of the inessential. 
I stopped pretending to myself that I was anything other than what I was and began to direct all my energy into finishing the only work that mattered to me. Had I really succeeded at anything else, I might never have found the determination to succeed in the one arena where I believed I truly belonged. I was set free because my greatest fear had been realised and I was still alive and I still had a daughter whom I adored and I had an old typewriter and a big idea. And so rock bottom became the solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. You might never fail on the scale I did, but some failure in life is inevitable. It is impossible to live without failing at something, unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which case you fail by default. Failure gave me an inner security that I had never attained by passing examinations. Failure taught me things about myself that I could have learned no other way. I discovered that I had a strong will and more discipline than I had suspected. I also found out that I had friends whose value was truly above the price of rubies. The knowledge that you have emerged wiser and stronger from setbacks means that you are, ever after, secure in your ability to survive. You will never truly know yourself or the strength of your relationships until both have been tested by adversity. Such knowledge is a true gift for all that it is painfully won and it has been worth more than any qualification I ever earned. So given a time turner, I would tell my 21-year-old self that personal happiness lies in knowing that life is not a checklist of acquisition or achievement. Your qualifications, your CV, are not your life, though you will meet many people of my age and older who confuse the two. Life is difficult and complicated and beyond anyone's total control, and the humility to know that will enable you to survive its vicissitudes. I wish you all very good lives. Thank you very much. Remember, my baby boy has to eat. So take a few minutes to listen to our fine advertisers. A moment in Kramer history. Y'all, this is wild. Like I look back at my Panama City days and I'm like, why? Why was this a thing? Like, how did we get away with all the stuff that we did? Okay, so in case you don't know, you're new to the podcast. I used to be a radio DJ, and I uh, really had this show that was wild. And we talked last week about it being kind of the end of the shock jock era. Like, our whole thing had to be, like, we had this new show in town, and we knew the only way that we were going to get attention if we were just, like, wild as shit. And so what we did was we decided to, like, take things to the max. And I can't even believe... We did this topic, but the topic of the morning, okay, bear with me here, I feel like I've grown a lot since this day, was who do you wish would effing die? Joan Rivers, uh, wow. She was in an airport and was being chased down by the paparazzi as usual. Um, one of the guys actually asked her her thoughts on the, um, the breakup of Mel Gibson and his girlfriend, and she assimilates it to um, 
she makes a mention of a woman who is actually Hitler's girlfriend. Keep in mind, Hitler didn't like Jews, so she's yeah. trying to assimilate the two and then goes even further about Mel Gibson. It's what she said at the very end of this. I said, wow, like this is extreme. Listen. You know, Mel Gibson is breaking up his baby mom. Yes, I yes. know. Isn't that sad? Because, no, because he heard that Ava Braun has a daughter. Who's next on your hit list for today? Well, uh, Mel Gibson should probably die. Wow. So I'm interested. Well, that's not real he's a disgusting. He's an anti-Semitic. He's anti-black. He's anti-everything. He's a bad person. I don't see his movies. Mm. Should effing die? Yeah. Like that's horrible. That's a bold statement to make about somebody. It really is. Russell, how are you? I'm doing good. Do you think you can convince me there's somebody in this world that should effing die? I had a father-in-law that interfered with our marriage. He was an Italian. And, yeah, he had ties to South La Mafia. Oh. Oh, dear. To the Mafia? He came, he came into our marriage, convinced her that we needed a divorce. We had two children. We were married for 16 years. When we separated, there were six black Cadillacs from Philadelphia in my driveway. Oh. My. Well, wow. was anything going on in your marriage that would have thought, you know, maybe this is a separation ready or something? That wasn't, a, it wasn't even up for question. Ah. It was South Philly Mafia. She was, her dad was part of it. Ah. So there was never a fight, never argument or anything in our marriage. So you are so angry at him for ruining your marriage that you think he should effing die. Well, I'm not angry anymore. But you think he should still die? Die. He died two years ago. No. Did you wish it on him? <laughs> did you cause him to die? If I did, I would be the happiest man around. Oh, wow. man. <laughs> See? That's a bold statement. <laughs> oh, God. Forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for all of the crazy radioness that I have ever made in my career. Um, I can I imagine doing that topic now? No, but we were just popping, man. Lord, I get embarrassed by this stuff. All right, there you go. It's a another moment in Kramer history. So tomorrow's show, we're gonna do something um, that I, I hope it's not too heavy. Um, but I want to go back because tomorrow will be the two year anniversary that I found out my ex-wife was doing some extracurricular activities behind my back. And so I want to go back to that day because my mom actually was the first person that I called. So I want to talk to her about that and like the healing process that have come uh, since then. I know you guys don't want to hear about divorce all the time, but I do think it's powerful. Anyone that's going through a breakup, I kind of feel like the people that don't want to hear about divorce are the people that maybe haven't been through divorce yet. So... I'm still going to talk about it when it feels appropriate, but tomorrow will be my two year. Um, like that's when I found out that all the, everything basically went to hell was, uh, April 30th. So that's tomorrow. Now let's get to some good news. At the end of every show, I like to give you the good news from the coronavirus. It's the good stuff that's going on in the world because you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff. It's heavy sometimes, right? And I'm not a massive fan of this guy because I feel like when the late night battle went down, you had to either be on Team Jay Leno or you had to be on Team Conan O'Brien. And I have always loved Conan O'Brien. Did you know that I was actually on that show? 
I should probably tell that story at some point. That was on the Conan O'Brien show. Um, anyway, so I've kind of lost. But I want to give him credit because he did do some really good things. He, you know, he's, uh, of course, the former Tonight Show host. And he is uh, now, I think, on CNBC doing some things. Anyway, Jay Leno has turned over his massive garage into turning out masks from 3D printers. We're making the mask. We make them free. It's a, it's a mask with the plastic, clear plastic front. And we make them and we give them to the fire department. They hand them out to first responders and hospital workers. And the 3D printers run 24 hours a day. And they just keep turning these out, turning these out. And it's fun. I mean, it's great to feel like you're part of something. You're actually sort of helping out and not just, you know, having food delivered every five minutes, you know. I'll just never forgive him for the Tonight Show debacle. I'll never... I know what it feels like to have a show, <laughs> to have somebody leave a show and you come in and then have it taken away. And that was a little bit of shade, right? It's a little bit of shade. And here's some good news that you can actually be a part of. Uh, it would be really cool. Uh, since the governments began issuing their stimulus checks last week, there's a couple of volunteers up in North Carolina that rallied for thousands of people who are stable financially to be able to donate a part of their stimulus check to help people then affected by COVID-19. There's a website called Pledge My Check, and I'll link it. It's just pledgemycheck.org, but I'll link to it in the show notes. As of right now, $92,162 is pledged from 147 people in across 15 states, and that's really amazing. So listen, what are you doing with your stimulus check? We've talked about this. If you don't need the money right now, could you pass it along to somebody that does? That website is pledgemycheck.org and shouts out to those 147 people. And at the end of every show, I'm going to leave you something that just makes you laugh, puts you in a good mood, and makes you smile, because that's what it's about. I want you to leave this podcast feeling good. It may have a little bit of downers in the middle, but hopefully something to make you think, and then at the end, hopefully make you laugh and put you in a good mood. Um, I feel like since I played Jay Leno, I would be a bad Conan fan if I didn't back that up with a Conan clip. We're all looking for the silver linings these days. Uh, I know we're all in quarantine. This can be feeling like it's getting old to some of you, but I have to tell you, uh, it is a beautiful day today, here in LA anyway, absolutely gorgeous weather. Uh, this morning, my kids asked if uh, I could take them to the beach. And I said, I can't do that, that's against the law now, we're not allowed to go to the beach, but I can recreate the beaches of LA here at home. So I did that, I filled uh, our bathtub with water and garbage. Yeah, zing, take that LA beaches. I mean, it's like not his, not his best work. Well, I mean, do you want to hear what Jay Leno's joke hospital. was on nurse his interview? In, yeah. Guy goes, yeah. Uh, nurse, could you check to see if my testicles are black? <laughs> nurse goes, sir, I can't do that. I'm just an intern. Just, that's why I'm asking. Just check to see if my testicles are black. <sighs> All right. So she reaches up under the guy's gown there and looks. She goes, sir, you're fine. The guy goes... No, I said, te- check to see if my test results are back. <laughs> it's a stupid joke. All right, there you go. Two made me laughs. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this show. It would mean a great a deal to me. If I never get a chance to thank you personally, I do appreciate you listening to this podcast. Uh, for some reason, yesterday we had a huge day of listenership, so thank you for that. If you want to tell a friend about it, that would be massive. If you want to call, we're running low on calls, so if you want to call me, 888-Kramer8, check in, talk about what you want to talk about, shout out somebody, uh, spread some positivity, shout out your business or whatever you want to do, 888-Kramer8. 
uh, or talk about your sexual experiences when your parents tried to talk to you about, about it back in the day. Uh, and if you could leave a review and a rating right down below you, right now on the Apple app, that's where you can review it. That goes a long way too. So until tomorrow, I will see you then. Thank you so much for being a part of this family. Remember, you can call or text the show anytime, 888-Kramer8. That's Kramer with a K. Hey, Kramer, it's Mel in El Cajon, and I just got caught up on all of the podcast episodes. I have been listening for uh, a few years um, while you were on 933, and I miss you in the morning. Um, Keep up the daily podcast, please, please, please. It makes me smile. You make me smile. Your mom makes me smile, and I love the content. So um, I vote for a daily podcast if you have it in you. Um, Thank you for all you're doing for our community by feeding our third shifters. Um, I donated to that because I think it's a great cause and you are a rock star. Um, I love you forever. Bye. Hey, Kramer. This is Harold again. Um, I just listened to your podcast. Uh, I'm from West Plains, Missouri. I found you uh, through channel 933. Uh, I usually vacation in San Diego once a year, and I came across the station uh, when I was vacationing, and then uh, I switched over to your podcast when it came out. Awesome. Keep up the great work. Uh, Love everything that you do. All right. Thanks. Okay. That's it for today. Thanks for listening to my son's podcast certified mama's boy be sure to review and subscribe and tell your friends love you forever